Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to know something. God is a big God. And I'm thankful that he don't get distracted in his mind. But I want to tell you, we are living in a season of distraction. Amen. And you can feel it. You can feel it in a lot of church services that you go to. You can see it in the world. You can see it in young people. You can see it in old people. You can watch people walk down the road with a cell phone in their hand and almost get ran over because they're distracted by their phone. <laughs> Amen. But I believe that God is calling us into a season of refocusing. And I believe that that's where we're at tonight. And I'm going to talk to you from the thought broken tonight. And I'm going to go live on Facebook per some people's request. And so I know that um, sometimes people don't understand what we mean, especially young people. You may, some of you kids may not understand what I mean by a refocusing. But I do believe that God is calling us to be refocused. And there's a problem with some of the things that we are dealing with in today's society, we have some misunderstanding about where distractions actually come from. And so I want to clear that up for you tonight because a lot of times we blame certain things. But first, let me read my text because I want you to understand the context of where we're going. So if you got a Bible, shout amen. If you ain't got a Bible, well, just listen really good. But we're going to go to the book of Mark. Uh, we'll look at chapter number 8 to start with. We'll have a few scriptures that we'll look at throughout the night. But I want you to understand what God is wanting to speak in the house tonight. And those of you that's uh, tuning in on Facebook Live, I want to thank you all for tuning in. And uh, as, we, as we endeavor to bring this word to the people in this house, I want you at home to be seeking the Lord as well. I want you to be seeking what God has for you. Uh, but in the book of Mark, chapter number 8... There's a scripture in verse 34. It says, And when he had called the people unto him, speaking of Jesus, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Everybody say, deny. deny. All you husbands, turn to your wives and say, deny. deny. And all the wives looked at me like I'm crazy. Sometimes you need to tell that husband, no, he's just, he's spoiled rotten. Don't be buying him no guns and all that good stuff. But he said, he said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I believe it's important to follow Jesus. Amen. He said in verse 35, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Everybody say lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, for, for the gospels, the same shall save it. Everybody say, save it. That word lose there in the Greek actually means to utterly destroy. In other words, Jesus said, if you want to find life, if you want to find 
purpose. If you want to find him, you have got to be utterly destroyed. Amen. You have got to let go of everything else. And you got to be willing to die to self and deny yourself and come to him. Now that seems like a hard thing, doesn't it? But I want you to know it's not really hard. And so that's the context of what we'll be speaking on tonight. But I want you to understand, we will get to that point in just a little bit. But right now I want to talk to you about that distraction. The distractions of our life. Now how many of you got a cell phone? If you got a cell phone, hold it up. Just hold it up. Let me look at those beautiful, expensive cell phones. You know, some of us spent $1,200 on some. Some of you spent $40 on some. Somebody said, I ain't spent that much, brother. But, but you know, them cell phones, we walk around with them things. And what I see and what I've noticed is that a lot of people have grown dependent on cell phones for a lot of things, even myself included. I think, you know, I, if I don't have a cell phone, I can't do basic math anymore. You know, I used to could. But now if you say, well, what's six times six? And, and I'm having a brain fart. I have to go and I have to do something. i got to look at the calculator. We become dependent on cell phones, so we stop thinking. Amen? We stop focusing on things that we can actually focus on. And so one of the things that happens is, like, I'll just use my lovely wife as an example since she's here and, you know, I can pick on her face to face and not talk about her behind her back like it was before the service. Some of them in the back know what I'm talking about. But anyway, I said, if I keep talking about her, I was talking about how she's always late. And I said, but if I keep talking about her and she finds out, I'm going to be late. But the other kind of late, the late Christopher Bowling, <laughs> be laid up in a coffin somewhere. So I ain't trying to die tonight, but I am going to talk about it for just a minute because there's an important thing that we need to get. So my wife, is, she's, uh, she's got that cell phone, you know, and uh, she's got alarms set. Everybody, how many set alarms on your phone? Now, I bet you don't set alarms on your phone like, quite like what she does, okay? So in the morning, it starts out with an alarm. That alarm is to let you know that, okay, it's time to wake up, but you don't have to get up yet, okay? It's just wake up, stir around, maybe check your notifications, or maybe just, you know, sleep for another five more minutes or whatever. But then there's another alarm that goes off, and when that alarm goes off, it says, okay, it's time to get up or you're going to be late, all right? You got to get up and get around. And again, she, she likes to be late, and everybody knows she can say amen. She's walking, she's walking far away from me right now, but see, the thing is, is, and then all of a sudden she, she has this, another alarm that goes off while she's getting ready, okay? So while she's getting ready, she has more alarms going off. Every 10 minutes, I hear a new song come on her phone while she's getting ready for work. And so that alarm tells her that, okay, 10 more minutes pass because she loses track of time. And uh, how many know when you, I, I don't know, if you can't keep up with 10 minutes, you're too busy. You know, I guess that's what happened. Some people get too busy with kids and things like that. And so the, the thing is, she's got a bunch of kids running around the house, and she goes to school and deals with kids and all that stuff. And so sometimes you get too busy. And I think what it was was one time she prayed for patience, and next thing you know, we got a house full of kids. And I said, stop praying for patience. We don't need it anymore. We're good. <laughs> God, you pray for patience, God will give you a house full. But the thing is, is she began to, she began to use these alarms and over time, she just, these alarms keep going off, and, and then she'll have an alarm again that'll go off. And this one says, you got 10 more minutes to get the kids and you in the car, because if you don't, you're late. All right? So then she goes to school and goes to work. She goes to work at the school. While she's at the school, she has an alarm set for every time that there's a class change. I thought they made bells for that. I don't know. And then, they got, then she's got an alarm for every break she needs to take with the kid or every recess and at lunchtime. And then, and then there's one for when it's time to get close to getting out of school and all those things. And then when she comes home, it don't stop. See, she used to have, I don't think she has anymore, but she used to have a reminder to tell her to drink water. 
Now, when you get so busy with life that you need a cell phone to tell you to drink water, you overly busy, amen? And I, some of y'all look at me like, you can't talk about your wife like this. It's okay. She's okay with it. I already told her I was going to do this so, so she wouldn't kill me. I said, just be prepared. I'm going to talk about you a little bit. But see, the thing is, is she began to, you know, and then in the evening time we'll have this, uh, we'll have another alarm goes off that says, okay, it's the kid's last call for liquids. They can't drink anymore after this time because it's getting close to bedtime. We want them to start settling it down and any of that stuff. And so before you, and then it's a bedtime ritual that you, you got alarm for that. But there's alarms for everything. Well, one day she asked me, she said, here the other, or she made the statement the other day. She said, I'm having trouble remembering things. And I said, yeah, that's all of us nowadays. And I said, the reason being is because we've grown dependent on our little schedule, our little cell phone. We've grown dependent on that. And we use it to remind us of every little thing that we have failed to focus on life, that we have failed to focus on the things that are important. And when we're not careful, all these things that can be distractions and can be good things even, you can be distracted by good things. It's not all about sinful things. Uh, how many knows that if you, put, if you put your school grades above Jesus, that's a problem too. Amen? Parents don't want me to talk about that though. Because here's the thing, we'll be all, here's us parents, we'll be like, hey parents, uh, y'all agree with me if we do this, we, we will beat it into our kids that I need, you got to get that A, you got to get that B and the A, you got to get those grades up, you got to, you got to, you got to, we beat it into them, but it's okay if you miss church on Sunday. It's okay if you sleep in a little bit and if you're tired because you stayed up late playing video games, that's okay, that's all right, but you better get them grades up. See, we don't put a lot of emphasis on the things of God sometimes. A lot of times we don't put a lot of emphasis on certain things, but good things can become a problem if you take your focus off of Jesus. Everybody say, I need to focus on Jesus. Because Jesus is what sets you free. Somebody said, the truth shall make you free. It said the truth, not your version of the truth. Okay, So the truth shall set you free. In other words, he, the, the truth, Jesus, is the free maker. He's the one that makes you free. And so here's the thing, we, it behooves us to focus our lives on him, but we got all these distractions, and these distractions don't really come from what we think they come from. See, we blame technology nowadays. How many of you grew up without a cell phone? I grew up, in, in my day, we didn't have a cell phone. We remembered numbers. We didn't have a content. If I ask some of these kids, hey, what's your mama's number? Can y'all tell me your mama's number or your daddy's number, your grandparents' numbers? They're all shaking their head no. Why? Because we got a phone that tells us everything. I can look up and in two seconds I can tell you what the weather is, what the weather's going to be. Used to, you had to wait for the 5 o'clock news or the 6 o'clock news or then the 10 o'clock news, whichever one you could catch. Now, I just ask Siri. Hey, Siri, what's the, don't start, Siri. Stop. <laughs> My phone's out there. I better not say that. But, you see, the thing is, is we've got distracted and dependent on certain things. But technology's not the problem. Technology is not the problem. So then we'll tell the young ladies, well, you know, that problem is that boy you've been staying up talking to all night. And we'll tell the young men, well, that problem is that girl you've been staying up all night talking to. You know, and all that. It's always, it's always something that's the problem. But we need to take some responsibilities because the distraction starts when we lose focus on what's important. It's a heart problem. It's a lack of focus on Jesus Christ that is the problem. You see, we need to be completely infatuated with Jesus. We need to be completely 
always thinking about him, captivated by him. And I think that sometimes we are not captivated by Jesus, so the distractions come along because we lost focus on him. And when the distractions come along, what happens? Now you're captivated by the distraction. And when you get captivated by anything at all, whatever you're captivated by, that's what you then worship. Amen? It's an idol that we worship. For some of us, it might be football. For some of us, it might be sports or baseball or softball or whatever the case might be. For some of us, it might be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. For some of us, it might be music or whatever the case might be. But distractions will always come when we lose focus and we're not captivated by Jesus. So when he said, if you want to gain your life, you have to be willing to lose it. In other words, I have to make a decision that says I'm going to surrender everything to Jesus. That I'm going to deny myself of the life that I'm living and the person that I am. And I am going to surrender to him and completely become captivated by him. How do you know we need to fall in love with Jesus again? Because he's a good father. And the Bible said that this distraction thing was going to happen because what it says, it said, in the last days people will become lovers of themselves instead of lovers of God. What does that tell you? That people lost focus on Jesus. He told one of the churches in Revelation, he said, go back and do your first works. Go back and do your first love. Fall in love with Jesus again. It's important. It's important that we are captivated by Jesus. He needs to be the center of attention in my life. Because when he's not, I can tell you and speak from experience, when he's not center of attention, I start messing up. And see, some of you are dealing with sin issues, and you think that the sin issue is coming from, well, my heart's just not right, and, and, and really it boils down to that a little bit, but the really problem is, is you've stopped being captivated by Jesus. You see, when Jesus said that statement that he made about um, <clears throat> entering the kingdom of heaven as a child, there's one of the things that I really like, like Ezekiel back there. Ezekiel, come here, buddy. I want you to come stand with me for just a minute. Is he shaking his head no? Oh, of course he's not excited right now. But, you know, the thing is, is Ezekiel, he's just a wee little fella. Peppa calls him the mohawk because he's got a mohawk right now. But that boy gets excited over the least Simplest things. If I start a fire, that boy's all around it. We were talking about that before service, but that boy gets excited about a fire. I was telling somebody earlier, he can't be a firefighter when he grows up because he ain't trying to put them out. He's trying to make them bigger. <laughs> he gets excited. He's like, ooh, fire. Okay, marshmallows, where you at? Let's get out there and get it. But I noticed things about him is he can get captivated really easy about something so simple that I would never think that is is important or relevant. And, but as a child, you have a sense of wonder. You have a sense of searching for something more, something to be excited about. And we stop being excited about Jesus. Amen? We've stopped being captivated by Jesus. And, and so, therefore, what we are doing is we are struggling with basic issues. We're struggling with sin problems because we're not in love with Jesus. You see, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments, right? And there's two ways to look at that scripture. One way is to say, well, to prove to God you love him, you keep his commandments. Another way to look at it is to say, if you love him, notice what he said first. He didn't say, keep my commandments first. He said, love me first. And I think that's important to catch. Because here's the thing, when I'm captivated by Jesus, the commandments is not as much of a problem for me to keep. You see, we got, we got an issue about living 
a sense of do's and don'ts and thou shalt nots. Okay? And so there's a, there's a list of rules in the Bible is the, the way that we look at it. And, and I want to I share something with you. The, the laws in the Bible. Moses had 613 laws. I don't know if you, some of you realize that or not. 613, that's what he wrote about. 613 laws. David reduced it down to 15. When Isaiah came along, it was down to 11. When Micah, when you read the book of Micah, you'll see that there's about three. Jesus reduced it down to two. And those two, I want to read to you just really quick. Because this is important to catch. And for th those of you that are you young people, you kids, I want you, to, I want you to really get a hold of this. But he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he said, the second one's like unto it. He said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, when I think about these two, the statement that he made after that was, hang all the laws and the prophets on these two. In other words, what did he change? You see, all throughout the Old Testament, the thou shalt nots and all of those things began to reduce down to two laws, and it was thou shalt instead of thou shalt not. What was Jesus doing? He's getting you to focus on what you should be doing. And what you should be focused on, number one, is loving God first. And the second thing is to love other people. And when you do those things, the thou shalt nots don't really matter because when you love God the way you're supposed to and love other people the way you're supposed to, you ain't going around killing people. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you ain't murdering people. You ain't trying to sleep with people's wives and all that for the, for the adults in the room. You ain't trying to do things that you ain't supposed to do. Because when you love God and you become captivated by Him, it changes your perspective. It changes your lifestyle. And so, love me, be captivated by me, He says, keep my commandments. Keeping the commandments then become a whole lot easier. So a lot of us have messed up because we lost focus. We no longer love God in the sense. And so what we do is we, we, begin, to, we begin to live by the rules and we end up failing. When you live by rules all the time, you fail. But when you live off of love, amen, when you live the love of God, you end up succeeding. Holiness is not the way to Christ. It's not. Everybody got quiet. Christ is the way to holiness. Does that make sense? See, I've heard people, and you know what? One of the biggest excuses whenever I invite people to church, I can't come to church because I got too many things that's wrong in my life. I got too much sin that I need to handle. Well, good luck. If you're going to white knuckle it through sin, you're going to struggle. It's not going to work. You need Jesus, and you need to be captivated by Jesus Christ. If you're a sinner and you don't have Jesus in your heart, the last thing that you need to do is sit at home and go, I got to try to clean myself up because you ain't going to clean yourself up. There's people that's been sitting on the church pew for 30, 40 years, and they ain't clean. <laughs> well, I thought somebody would amen me there, but uh, move on quickly, it says. Okay, so we don't live right to be saved. We live right because we are saved is what I'm trying to get at. Does that make sense? See, when I put loving God first and loving others first, the rest of it becomes easy. But it starts with letting go of who I am. It starts with being broken, completely broken. I have got to get to a place 
to where I am decided and I have decided that Jesus is going to be the only thing that captivates me. It can't be my wife. Because whenever I put her before Jesus, I can't love her right. It can't be my children because whenever I put them before Jesus, I can't love them right. Because it's through the love that I show towards him and that captivation because of his love for me is what causes me to be, be, be right. Amen? And so, don't live by the thou shalt nots. Live by those two thou shalts. Live by the two commandments. And as you do, you'll see a difference. Now, Satan, let me say this because I want to switch gears. Satan is a thief. Everybody say he's a thief. Satan is not a creator. God's the creator. So I want to help some of you young people. I want to help, I want to help all of us, actually. Some of you watching, I want you, to, I want you to get this part of this because this is important. You see, a lot of people are struggling with sin, and they don't know why they're struggling with sin. Lack of captivation, lack of self-denial, lack, lack of saying that, hey, I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to fall in love with him. When you focus on him, it changes everything. But the devil is a thief. He doesn't create. So that's why I don't have a problem with different styles of music in the church. You see, see, I'm going to ruffle some feathers probably with, with, with religious people or people that, that believe certain ways, and that's fine, but I want, to, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. If the devil is not a creator and he's a thief, everything that he does he stole from God, right? So when he steals from God... And the world changes lyrics, or the devil begins to put lyrics into a rapper, for instance. Isaiah, stand up. I'm going to use you as an example real quick. Good Lord, you're getting tall. I'm glad you ain't standing next to me. That make, me, that make people see just how short I am. Isaiah is a guy that he loves music. Eli sat next to him, loved music. Our whole household loves music. And I like different kinds of music. I like all different kinds of music. Christian music. I, I love Christian music. I don't care if it's, if it's rock and roll style or if it's rap style. I listen to Christian rap. Some of y'all already got a problem with that. I'm fixing to show you why you have a problem with it and show you why you shouldn't. And that's okay, but he likes rap. He don't care nothing about Southern gospel. When I come to him with some honky-tonk sounding Southern gospel, I'm not a Southern gospel guy myself. I'm not the old hymns kind of guy. I, I, I sing them. And, and I can worship God to them because worship to me is not about my style. It's about what I like. But if you're going to reach lost people, you got to reach them on their level. And see, he likes rap music. You can sit down. I just wanted everybody to get a good look at you and let you see how handsome. Let them see how handsome you were. But he likes Christian rap music. He listens to Christian rap music that, that sing about Jesus all the time. And you know, there's a lot of churches, a lot of pastors that would not give him the time of day because of that. But it's out of the notion that that's worldly music. That style is worldly. Says who? Says you? Because the devil stole the style and manipulated the lyrics and caused an issue. Because if the devil's not a creator, everything that he does is a mimic. Now, so go with me to the book of James. And let me show you this and put it in perspective for you. Keep that in your context because we need that. Book of James chapter number 1 and verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So, kids, old people, young people, everybody, what that means is, is God is not dangling sin in front of you going, Hey, let's see how strong you are, little weak man. Let me get you so I can <laughs> after you mess up. That's not God. That's not the God. That's not the, that is not the character of the Heavenly Father that we serve. Okay? Now, there's sin in the world, and we have a free choice to jump into it. But God ain't dangling in front of you. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God knows how to deliver the godly from temptation. In other words, if you live in godly, there's a way of escape for it. Amen? So when we sin, we don't really fall into sin. We jump into it on our own. Matter of fact, keep reading. Stick with me now. It says, verse 14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of whose lust? His own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So it says every man is, gets caught up in all that sin and all the temptation. Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. What is a lust? It's a desire that burns out of control. It's a desire that has been manipulated by the devil and perverted by the devil. Okay? So understand that. Because he's not a creator. God is the only creator. And God is still a creating God right now. You see, sometimes we come to church as if, as if I can't get a new experience in God, and so we lose our, cap our captivation. We lose our excitement because we think this is going to be the same, old, the same old story it's always been. Same old two to three to four songs, and same old pastor getting up preaching the same old message that I've already heard 140 times. That's why you're not getting anything out of church, because you're coming for what's going to happen instead of what God can create in you. Amen? You see, God is a creator. I was talking to somebody the other day, a good friend of my wife's, and uh, she had reached out to me and said, hey, I had this weird experience with God, and it was something that happened that I can't explain. And she explained it to me, and I'm not going to go into detail about it, but for the sake of time, but she, she said, I just don't understand what it is and what it means. And I said, well, one thing I know about you, and this is one thing that I love about this person, she lives for God Every day with everything that's in her. <clears throat> She's always seeking the Lord. She gets up early in the morning to pray, read, study. She studies to know God. A long time ago when I was pastoring, God told me one time, because I was always burnt out on work and working 12-hour shifts and trying to squeeze in enough study time for the next sermon. And God said, study to know me, you'll always have a sermon. That's what it means to be instant in season and out of season. Study to know God. When you know God, there's always something to say. And so it changed my perspective. It changed my life. But this girl, that's, that's the way she lives it. She lives it to the extent to where she is somebody who is captivated by Jesus every day. Captivation doesn't necessarily mean that you feel like focusing on him. It's a made-up mind to get up every day and focus on him. It's a made-up mind every day to get up and seek after him. And as you seek after him, the book of James says that as you draw nigh unto him... He draws nigh to you. So every step that, that she takes towards God and every step that you take, God comes closer to you. So I told her, I said, the way you live your life is one where you're always searching. I remember the, the, the uh, movie Pure Country with George Strait in it. I don't know. That's probably ungodly watching country singers on TV. But anyway, you see, but in that movie there was a character, was it Grandma Ivy? Or Ida, 
I don't know. Anyway, Grandma Ivy out or something like that. But she made a statement one time. She said, there are no answers. There's only the search. Y'all remember that? And when she said that, you know, I can, think of, I can think of four or five, six different ways probably to argue that point. But on the other hand, I don't want to argue it. And here's why. Because I don't want to ever arrive in my relationship with Christ. I want to keep searching. To be captivated by Jesus is to always know that there should be a search going on. There should always be a search. I should always be seeking after him and seeking after more of Jesus because he's a creating God. And I told this woman, I said, that's the thing about you. You're always searching for more. And so what God did is he created a new way to speak to you that you haven't experienced yet because he wanted to bless you for your efforts because he's a good father. And he's teaching her some things through this. I noticed for a long time God spoke to me in dreams. And then I just stopped dreaming all of a sudden. But then I noticed he started speaking to me other ways. Because I'm always wanting to grow. You see, God is a continual relationship. It's like a marriage. It's just like a marriage. It is a marriage. We're the bride of Christ. And I can tell you, marriages that work are, are couples that figured out how to get marriage to work for them instead of them working for marriage. And what that means is, is they're captivated by each other. They're always seeking out new ways to please each other. Men that are looking for a new way to please their wife, it's probably going to get a lot further with their wife than men that ain't. So men, let that be your marriage counseling for the day. <laughs> Women, same thing. If we're always searching for a new way to love somebody that we're in relationship with. So the question is, are you always searching for a new way to love Jesus? A deeper way to love Jesus. It takes a relationship to be able to do that. It takes focus. I got to focus. And so I told her that's what that was because God is a creating God. Satan is the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything that the devil has, he stole from God. So whenever we steal back a rap song or a rap style and give it to somebody who loves it, to reach them for Jesus and we get the lyrics right for God and we let God put lyrics into our hearts, I believe that style, there's going to be all kinds of different styles in heaven. Because Psalms 150 said, praise God in the firmament of his power, praise him in the sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power, inside and outside. And then he, then he said, praise him with the high-sounding cymbals, praise him with the string instruments, praise him with the loud-sounding cymbals, praise him with the horns and all that good stuff. With the psaltery and heart, there's going to be all kinds of different styles of music up there. And sometimes it's going to get loud. If you don't like loud, good luck going to heaven or hell. <laughs> Amen. Because I believe both are probably going to be pretty loud. But see, some people have a problem with style more than they do with what's being said. And the thing is, is culture changes about every four years. Every four to six years, culture changes. If we're going to meet young people where they're at, we're going to have to get off of doing things the way we've always done it. And we're going to have to decide to reach people where they're at. I need to meet drug addicts in the street, not try to drag them to church and tell them how sinful they are. They don't care about that. They don't care about church. They don't even care about Jesus in the, in the moment. You've got to meet them where they're at. So when he said every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed, the Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart, right? 
okay? Well, I guess maybe it don't. I don't know. Maybe I was wrong. The Bible says that God gives you the desires of your heart. And a lot of people take that scripture and they say, well, everything that I desire, God's going to give me. That'd be great. But it don't work for me. <laughs> if it did, I'd still have hair. If it did, my wallet would be packed full of $100 bills and I'd give every single body in here one. Because I love to bless people. I love to give. And if you, if you have a heart for giving, you know that it's like if I won the lottery, it'd be gone. And I told my, one of my kids the other day, I think, I said, if I win the lottery, it'd be gone. I could spend a million dollars in one day. I'd probably spend it in 30 minutes. I'll just, oh, man, you need some money? Here, bro, let me write you a check for one million. You'll be all right, and I'll be broke, <laughs> you know, for the moment. But you see, there's a lot of things that I want. I want to lay hands on every sick person that comes to church and that I walk by in Walmart or anywhere else, and I want to see them recover. But that doesn't always happen for me. I prayed for some that got healed, and I prayed for some that didn't. Just wait. Let's be honest. Every time that I lay hands on somebody at church, I want to see them filled with the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I want to see them to be able to work and operate in spiritual gifts and be powerful in God. Every sermon that I preach, I want every lost person in the congregation to get saved. But that doesn't happen. So if God gives me the desires of my heart, I guess my heart has been lying to me about, or I've been misunderstanding what my heart really wants. So I believe that the proper translation could be that God gives you desires. He's the creator. He created you. He created you with specific desires. So let me explain this to you. The devil takes your desires, begins to pervert them, begins to manipulate them, and the next thing you know, you're caught up in lust because now that desire that originated from God that was actually good has now turned into an evil thought. Let me give you an example. So let's take Ryan, for instance. Ryan, he's a, he's a grown man now. Let's say that Ryan had a wife and two kids, and he said, oh, praise the Lord, I hope that's a prophecy. <laughs> he needs a woman, y'all. All ladies that's watching, Ryan's single, by the way. But anyway, so, but Ryan has an issue because Ryan's been, he's been working hard to provide for his family because that's the original desire that God put in his heart. But, Whenever he listens to the devil and he loses focus on God and being used in God's purpose, the devil comes in, and if you give the devil an inch, what does he do? He takes a mile every time. If you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. Some of y'all don't know that book. You should read it. It's good. It's the, actually, it's, it's the devil, I'm telling you. It's the way the devil operates. If you give a mouse a cookie, look it up. But now Ryan's sitting at the, the gambling hall on the weekend spending every dime of his paycheck because what originated was God originally put a desire in him to provide for his family because that's what he put in men. That's what he puts in us to do. That's what he puts in women too. We all want to protect and love our kids and our wives and our spouse and all that. We want to provide for each other. But the devil perverted it because he lost focus. He was no longer captivated by Jesus. By the way, Ryan don't have a gambling problem. This is hypothetical for anybody that's wondering. But the thing is, is it's the same thing when it comes to affairs and things like that. God put it into every man and every woman to desire their spouse. All the adults know what I'm getting at. You understand. 
That's a holy desire. There is nothing wrong with that. And I wish to goodness that preachers would be preaching about that and youth leaders would be preaching about that and even elementary school kids' age need to be learning about that at church and home because I'm telling you right now, there's a lot of stuff being taught in some schools nowadays that you don't even want to hear about. If you don't believe me, start looking it up. They're learning how to have safe sex and homosexual relationships in elementary school across this nation in certain schools. And we get upset if somebody says sex in church. Well, cover the kids' ears. It's not a bad thing. It's something God created for you and me to enjoy in the context of marriage. One man, one woman, loving each other together. And see, we don't teach it right because it's embarrassing. We don't talk about it enough because it's, well, we got we to gotta, we gotta keep everything. The world ain't, they ain't telling them, you know, shyly. They're talking to our kids like they're adults, and they're, they're learning phrases that I didn't learn about until I was 20-something years old at young ages. If you pay attention to your teenagers, you'll learn what's going on in our world real quick. They come home and say, hey, Dad, somebody offered to sell me drugs the other day. Elementary kid, kid schools. I heard about one here a while back that threatened to murder one of the teachers, wrote out a detailed uh, letter about how he's going to do it, or he or she, I don't know if it's a boy or girl. That's right here. Kids are learning a lot of good stuff. Because in the last days, people will become lovers of themselves. When we become selfish, it's because we are no longer captivated by Jesus. So what's the problem? The reason that we're messing around with sin is because we're allowing the devil to take good desires that God put in us and twist them and pervert them. Good things. Right after that text that we read about that, it says every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good gift. So you got to read things in context. Lust is no good. It's a burning, out-of-control desire that God first gave you, and you allowed the devil to manipulate you into letting it grow into something that it shouldn't be. That's why we struggle with sin. That's why we struggle with flaws and failures because every day we have to remind ourselves that I have to die daily like Paul. I have to be broken. I have to be broken. You and me have to be broken. When I say broken because in the text that we read when he said lose your life in order to save it, it said utterly destroy what that tells me is is you and i we can't exist anymore when we come to christ the old you is gone the old you has to die but guess what paul said i die daily so every day i have to refocus on jesus because every day that i wake up it's almost like man i don't know anymore every day i wake up i can be distracted I had, a, I had a crazy dream or whatever. My mind can be waking up and I can be way over here in left field or way over here in right field or whatever the case might be. But if we don't refocus every single day and decide to follow after Jesus Christ, then we're already waking up on the wrong side of the bed. And when we do, we tend to just, it's kind of like giving the devil an inch and then he takes a foot and by the end of the day, we've already been going backwards. I'm not talking about salvation I'm not talking about losing salvation. I'm not talking about you backsliding. I'm talking about Christian people 
who are not living a broken life. I'm talking about Christian people who are struggling with sin in their life on a day-to-day basis. And every day you're getting up saying the same prayer, God, forgive me for last night. God, forgive me for yesterday. God, forgive me for what I did this morning. God, forgive me for what I did after lunch. God, forgive me. You ever been there? (laughs) I've been there. Those of you that ain't, straighten your halos up and let the rest of us catch up with you. But you see, I don't want to live a lifestyle where I'm constantly under the power of sin. I want to live how the Bible tells me I can live, free from sin. And I'm not saying that you won't ever make a mistake because sometimes you're going to lose focus. But I'm telling you the reason you're making the mistake is because of the loss of being captivated by Jesus. Every day I have to wake up and decide that I'm going to be broken before the Lord. You see, God's the creator. When he breaks you, he builds you back up. He rebuilds you into a new creature. Behold, all things, all the old is done and done away with. It's gone. Behold, all things have become brand new. said, the old man is dead, but I made you a new creature. You see, every single person in this room has to decide that I'm going to live like the new creature that he created me to be. And if you're not a new creature, it's because you haven't been broken yet. You see, it's painful sometimes to be broken, but rest assured, you're either going to be broke by the devil or you're going to be broke by God. The choice is yours. Amen? The difference is the devil can't create. He's not a creator, so when he breaks you, he leaves you for dead. And so what happens is, is the devil, he looks at you a creation of God. You know, somebody, this old clay pot, well, it's not old, it's brand new. I bought it yesterday. But this old pot was made by somebody. Somebody made it. And if you've ever watched the potter, when he's messing with the clay, when he's manipulating it to form whatever he wants, God literally did that with us in our lives. And so what you've got to understand is when God made you, he made you breakable. This thing is very breakable. And one thing about clay that I know from working in sewer lines that were made out of clay, if you get a crack in it, there ain't no coming back. That crack goes on even when you can't see it. It keeps going. And infiltration can get in there. All of a sudden, roots, can, they can find their way to the moisture and go through it. And it's the same thing. When the devil begins to hammer on you and he begins to mess with you, all of a sudden, you get cracked. And then he has an opening to infiltrate your mind. So the devil's always going to attack you. You're going to be broke, either by God, or you're going to be broke by Satan. One or the other. you got to choose to be broken by God because when God breaks you, he will rebuild you. And so the devil comes into your life. Thanks, Dad, for the hammer, by the way. <laughs> devil comes into your life and he begins to, he begins to hit you. Just a little bit. And see, the devil don't attack you all at once. He's very progressive. See, he don't come in and just do the boom. Because, see, he's sneaky. See, we think God is Jehovah's sneaky. No, it's the devil that's the sneaky one. God ain't trying to fool you or trick you into anything. God's pretty open about the way he does things. Amen? Pretty cut and dry for the most part. But the devil comes in, and he begins to crack you. 
And see, what we do is we go, God, I'm too messed up to come to you. I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. And we start trying to pick up the pieces. And we, we, begin, to, we begin to try to hold ourselves together. We, we try to fix it. We're, we're like, oh, I got to, oh, I got to. And we get awkward. Because when the devil comes in to break you, he's literally trying to destroy you. And he's going to continue to hammer on this other side. He's going to, you get a wound over here, he's going to jump over here to this side. And he's going to start hammering on you. And he's going to keep attacking. And see, the, the thing is, is that what we got to be focused on is we got to stop realizing, we got to stop to realize that we don't have to try to hold it together. We got to stop trying to hold it together. It's not our job to hold me together. What we got to do is be completely broken so that God can rebuild us. So God comes in and God says, you know what, Satan, good try, but I'm going to break them. I'm going to destroy the works of you off of their lives, and I'm going to cause them to be completely new, and I'm going to cause them to completely be free of all of that mess that you have put on them, the cracks, the fissures, all the hurt, all the pain, all of that is going to be gone because I'm breaking them, and then I'm going to rebuild them into who they're called to be you see the purpose that God created you for cannot be reached until after you have been completely shattered utterly destroyed you no longer exist because the old you is not the best version of you the new creature after you have been broken is the one that God is going to do amazing things through. Young people, old people, everybody in between. God loves you. He's a big God. And he's created you with purpose. But it's up to you to decide who's going to break you. Who you're going to be broke by. If you don't mind, play something on the piano there. You see, when I look at this clay, shattered... I think at one point in time, this was just a pot. It was a pot. It was a fully functional pot a while ago. And see, your life is no different. Because here's the thing. You are a person that the devil is always chipping away on. Some of you, he does it different ways. Some of you, he uses sin from the temptation that you have been diving into because of lack of focus. Some of you, he uses parents who have abused you, who have hurt you. He uses that pain and those open wounds to continually get a jab at you and let you know that you're, you're not worthy and valuable of God. For some of you, it was maybe a boyfriend or somebody that hurt you and Maybe it was a spouse that cheated on you. Either way, the devil did everything he could to destroy you and crack you so that he could get in. But at one point in time, and at some point in time, some of you made a decision to serve God. And you become a new creature. And the old you, the broken you, doesn't exist anymore because God rebuilt you. But then there's some of you that may be here tonight, maybe some of you watching, that there's going to have to come a time where you're going to have to decide to be broken for God. 
Stop trying to hold it together. Stop fooling yourself into believing that you can fix anything. And stop trying to save your life, but be willing to lose it. Be willing to let it go. Because that's when things can change. That's when Jesus comes in and changes your life completely, drastically. And that's when you can be captivated by him. And if you're not already captivated, you need to be. Some of us, tonight's message is more about getting to be recaptivated because some of us lost focus. It's not that you're not a Christian. You just lost focus. But for some of you, it might be that tonight's message is, I need to be broken because I need Jesus, plain and simple. I want to be saved. I want to know Jesus. And I want to become captivated by him because I want my life to be rebuilt into what it can be. So I want everybody in the room to bow their heads. Because I don't want to ever, ever preach a message and not give you the opportunity to get right with the Lord. If you're here tonight and you say, I'm not saved, I don't know Jesus, but I want to know him, I just want you to lift your hand and put it right back down. Thank you for these hands. Hallelujah. Is there anybody else? Say, I want to I be captivated by Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus died for you and bled for you because of his love for you. Not any other reason, but because of his love for you and his love for the Father. And because of the Father's love for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We've had a couple that raise their hand. I want to switch gears for just a moment. You're here today and you're a Christian, but you kind of felt yourself losing excitement for God because you've not been waking up deciding to be broken before the Lord and let Him be a creator in your life. Maybe you've, maybe you've just kind of been going through the motions. We all do it sometimes. We lose focus. We get burnt out on certain things in our life and we just lose focus. And I'm here to tell you that today God, is, today God is calling you. He's calling you to refocus. He's calling you to be broken before Him. You see, even us ministers have to be broken. This is a message for me as much as it was for anybody else. Everybody has to be broken. And some people don't believe that it's a good thing. But I'm telling you it is. If that's you... You say, I want to be broken. I want you to get ready to come up here in just a moment. And I want you to understand that God's going to do something in your life if you really, truly surrender it to Him. It's time that we decide to let God break us instead of the devil. Some of you have been working for the Lord. And the devil's been attacking you. You've been going through spiritual warfare. And it's been a struggle. It's been hard. It's been hard for you to get excited about Jesus. It's been hard for you to get excited about ministry. It's been hard because it seems like the devil's just cracking on you. Tonight's a good night to be broken and rebuilt. Amen. So those of you that raised your hand for salvation, 
I want you to take this one step further. And there's going to be somebody that will meet you here, and there's somebody that will pray with you when you come. But if you raise your hand and you say, I want to know Jesus, I want you to be brave, and I want you to come. You raised your hand for salvation. I'm going to give you that moment to come. And while they're coming, I want the rest of you to come. Those of you that are in that boat of, I need to be broken before the Lord. I need to refocus. I need to surrender. Because things have been tough and I want to get back to where I need to be. I want you to come with them. Don't be shy. I'm standing here with you. I'm in that boat. I'm with you. I want to be broken before Jesus. Hallelujah to you, Lord. I want to just share with y'all that raised your hand for salvation. It isn't anything to be ashamed of or scared of or worried about. Jesus is a good, safe place to run to. And I want you to know that Jesus loves and cares about you so very much. And that to give your life to him is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It's bigger than even the decision of finding out who you're going to marry someday and all that. Because Jesus is forever. Jesus is forever. I tell you what, let's do this. I want everybody in the room to say this prayer. For you two, you two that raise your hand for salvation, I want you to say this prayer and I want you to mean it with your heart. Say, Jesus, Jesus I come to you. I surrender my life to you. God, I want you to break off the old me. And I want you to rebuild me into a new creature. I love you, Lord. Forgive me my sins and help me to stay focused on you. Through your grace, I can do all things. And I will succeed through you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is what I want you to do. I preached this message before, but it's always, it's always different every time I preach it, but I always do this at the end of it. This broken piece of clay, I'm going to take home with me as a reminder. I'm going to place it somewhere, and I actually have a, a few things. i got a few of these at home somewhere. I think when we moved, I misplaced some of them, but this one here, I'm going to put it in a place where I'll see it almost daily, and I want you to do the same thing as a reminder that you got to be broken, that i got to let go. And so I want you to come and just grab one of these, and I want you to spend some time in prayer asking the Lord to break you. If you need prayer, I'll stand here and you can just come to me. I'll pray with you. But I want you to come and grab one of these if you, if you can.
Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.